Ravens and Chiefs have agreed on a massive trade sending tackle Orlando Brown to Kansas City. So I love what they've done. This is a complete yep. this is a complete overhaul of an offensive line. I'm trying to win every single game. I'm trying to go 20 and 0, 19 and 0, whatever it is. Future is what Patrick Mahomes said, which is 20 and 0. Yeah, 20 and 0 made sense. Hello and welcome to another Arrow to Broad podcast. This evening you've got myself, Neil, and I'm joined as ever by Tomo. Tomo, how you doing, man? Hello, hello. I'm good, thank you. I'm good, thanks, I'm good. And we are joined by, well, I've kind of felt the uh, the podcast has been a bit down in the dumps, a bit negative recently, and <laughs> a little bit miserable. And so I, I thought we'd better get an expert on uh, sporting misery in, and who better than a Detroit Lions fan? Uh, so we, we are joined by, um, what's your official title now? Senior NFL writer for Yahoo, host of You Pod to Win the Game. Notice how I got the title right, and very few people do for you. <laughs> uh, and friend of the show, Mr. Charles Robinson. Charles, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, gents. How are you guys oh, doing? Are you hanging oh, in? Thanks for coming on. Everybody's hanging in, I hope. Oh, yeah, just about, just about. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this, to be honest. First question. We did did this with Terrace when he was on early in last year, and we had a game of which is more likely. So which is more likely, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl this season or us all getting rich from our Shiverinu deposits? (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you this, it's not the Super Bowl. I don't think this is uh, (laughs) – we can – we can be confident that the Chiefs uh, winning the Super Bowl is probably off the table. I mean, I, look, I don't want to. I don't want to say never. Okay, I don't want to say never. I, I one thing I've learned from covering the NFL as long as I have is every time I think I've pinned something down, you know, whether it's uh, boxed a, a team into, well, this is what's wrong, or that's what's wrong, or this is unfixable. Uh, look, I'll be honest with you. A couple weeks ago, if you'd asked me about the Tennessee Titans defense, I would have trashed it. You know, I would have, I would have said, look at the secondary's falling apart. It's too young now. And then, oh, it's banged up. They're not getting uh, a pass rush from some front line players. You know, oh, look, they go and get Danico Autry. Uh, he hasn't given them this consistently. What about Bud Dupree? I would have told you all these things. And then now, though, looking at the last few weeks of the Chiefs defense, I'm like, hmm, or excuse me, the, the Titans defense. I'm, I feel a little bit differently about it. And, and I think if there's ever a, a season in which, everything is more in flux um, than ever before. It's this year, as we see, you know, dominant team after dominant team that we think for sure, this is the best team in the AFC, particularly in the AFC, gets knocked off. And if we played that game of who's beaten who, you know, well, we beat X team and X team beat Y team, but then Y team came and beat us. So what does that really mean? Uh, You'd lose your minds. I mean, it's, it's crazy how circuitous the, um, fates of teams have been when it's come to wins and losses no one can hang on to that top spot so I don't want to say that the Chiefs uh have absolutely no chance to to get it together um I don't I don't think that's the case and again I I, you know what let's go back to Tampa last year there were times where really going even even going into the bye for Tampa last year people like I don't know I don't think I don't think they're going to be able to get this figured out like they just don't look they don't look like a Super Bowl worthy team and suddenly things change pretty considerably, both offensively and defensively after the bye. So, Is it a case of hope to get into the playoffs and then hope you get hot? Is that the Chiefs' best-case scenario? I, I, look, I think for, for everyone, um, 
for everyone, I think it is a case of uh, who is going to have that momentum, you know, to, and, and I know people say, well, it's always like that. Who, who's the hot team um, at the end of a season? Uh, and, and Tampa, obviously, last year really got traction and, and particularly defensively got hot at the right time. Um, but again, this year, I, I think because you look at um, teams have been so up and down and, and so many teams seem to be still figuring things out. Um, I think it's, you're going to have an opportunity to be a momentum team uh, at the end. I wouldn't, frankly, I'll, I'll be real. With you. I wouldn't want to be the momentum team right, right now. I wouldn't want to be, unless you're the, unless you're the Arizona Cardinals where you're going, everybody you put in front of us, you can say whatever you want about the competition or this or that. We're just beating teams. Like we're not, we're not a momentum team. We're just beating everybody right now. So, um, but everyone else, I don't know that I want to be the hot team in week eight. Okay. Like, especially in a week 17, you know, adding that extra game, um, week 18 scenario. I don't want to be the hot team right now. I want to, you know, maybe it's, it's a plus to be a little bit under the radar. And as I told you guys, I do think there are a couple, some fixable things on, on, on this chiefs team and it's not going to be everything. And I know there's a lot wrong with it, but there are at least a couple of things that I think could help this, this situation. How, how has it gone so wrong so quickly? Cause when we sat here in June time, Anything less than the Super Bowl was a disappointment. Right. We all agreed that was spot on. So what what's is is there a, a bigger picture? What's happened here? Yeah, I do. I, but I don't think it's one thing. You know, I think it's as you and I we all we have talked about this before we came on was that there's a multitude of things going wrong right now, and um, it's it's this idea of, of picking out one, like let's solve this one thing and that will dramatically change things for the chiefs. Only if you can solve changing an entire defense, you know, <laughs> like it's going to have to be monumental, a huge thing, um, which you can't do in the middle of the season. But in terms of how we got to this point, I would say there are a couple of things happening right now. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's get into it. Number one, let's, let's start with, uh, the defense, okay? Because I, I, if there's one thing that I find most problematic, it's the defense in a number of different ways. Number one, I, I do look at the overall talent level on the defense, and I, I have started to realize when you look at how the Chiefs spent their last couple first-round picks, you draft a running back, you, you flip another one for someone who is, is now your left tackle and, and seems to still be settling into being a left tackle – um, that's two valuable pieces of real estate that you use, two valuable uh, assets that you used that were not used on the defense, which would be fine if the depth were there that I had hoped. You know, some of these other um, defensive players, Kalen Saunders, I mean, there's, there's a few guys that were, were picked in the top three rounds the last few years who you're like, okay, they're going to contribute now. They're going to rise to the occasion, and it has not happened. So I think the fact that the depth hasn't been as good as I thought the fact that the high-end real estate has been used in free agency on offensive pieces has been used in the draft on offensive pieces. And I'm talking about the last couple of years, let's just say post 2018. So we all know that in 2018, that season, they're like, let's rebuild the defense. They did that. And then all of a sudden it shifted very much. The mindset shifted toward the offensive pieces and, and, and keeping that unit strong. I think the defense has paid a price but I think it's been exasperated by the fact that Frank Clark has not been the piece that he should be right now for them. He just isn't. He's not. And you can blame injuries. You can blame 
off the field stuff you can blame. I mean, however you want to crawl inside Frank's head and, and figure out how to reprogram those buttons. He is not the piece that they thought he would be. And then, you know, Chris Jones, who is arguably to me, particularly when he plays at his height, he is the best player they have on defense. I mean, he's one of, he's a top 10, top five type, even defensive player when he is an interior player creating middle pressure, um, when, when I thought he was at his height, I think moving him to end is not something you want to do. I, 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 I'm, I think those two things, two players who should be dominant players for them, for whatever reason, you want to blame it on injuries, whatever else, positional moves, you know, um, that has exasperated the overall talent level um, on the defense. So you start there with the defense. I'll, I'll open the floor to you guys. We can talk about that because there are other things I want to get to. But let's talk about that defense first. I, I just wanted to go to, to Frank Clark first. I mean, there's Chiefs fans before this year. Like last year, he wasn't the Frank Clark that we hoped for. This year is a whole different level. Going into, going into the offseason last year, we as a kind of podcasting team, we did our mock draft before the trade of um, Orlando Brown. And we, with all of the needs on the offensive line, we wanted a defensive end and we took one in our first round pick mock draft, which obviously is what it is now. They traded away the pick and they've done what they've done. Orlando's struggling, but we hope that he can come around that. But we were hoping for them to draft a defensive right. end or something to help this defense that can sit behind potentially Frank Clark and learn and play third downs or whatever going for this season and he can step in next season. Exactly what they're, I guess, trying to do with Nick Bolton, who they've taken in the second round behind Anthony Hitchens. And he's had a good week this year. But we we were hoping that we'd have that kind of guy already in-house. And it right. looks like at the end of this season, we're going to be in a very, very desperate situation where we have to get pass rush. Yep. And it's, seeing the play of Frank Clark has only kind of cemented that. And it does raise some questions, the, the construction of the roster. I understand they wanted to protect Mahomes this offseason. Mm-hmm. But the drafting seems very strange to us uh, and we obviously haven't got the information they've got but they've taken Nick Bolton who played well this week another linebacker in the second round that's twice in two years mm-hmm. they've also got one of the most expensive linebackers in the NFL and Anthony Hitchens who's being overpaid if we from our perspective and you've got Frank Clark who's been overpaid it, it just seems like they're trading away these these massive massive picks at the top of the draft to overpay guys that aren't performing. And we just like, I feel like with Mahomes' contract, we're going to need these young guys on rookie deals. Yet yes. They keep trading the picks away. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's once you have a quarterback on a deal like this, um, you have to hope that every, you know, your picks have to make up for whatever the talent deficit, your, your front office becomes very, very important. Um, I think there's also an element too. Um, that when you look back at some of the moves, DeAndre Baker, okay, Mike Hughes, um, you, you look at this assumption that, well, these are highly picked players, okay, and, and now they're added and this, they get this fresh start, right? Okay, here's the thing in the NFL. When a team discards a first-round pick, okay, a cornerback, okay, there's sometimes there's this assumption well, it was off field stuff. Sometimes though, teams will hang on to their first round picks, even through off field stuff. And Deandre Baker, let's be honest, it was some crazy stuff. Like that was obviously wild. 
But that said, um, you can you can also question. Let's look at the front office who chose them, where they chose them. Not a not a good track record for that front office, right? You're talking about a general manager who's going to be out of his job after this season. Um, maybe he was overdrafted. Maybe he wasn't the first round talent that everyone thought. I think that there was an element of leaning on pieces that were added thinking, well, this will make up for the fact that we didn't spend a first round pick on a corner. The fact that we didn't spend um, these high picks on these key defensive pieces, we went out and got, um, you know, players off of a scrap heap sort of, Hey, look, the Cleveland Browns going to get Malik McDowell, who at one point was a second round pick of the Seattle Seahawks. No one expected anything. Malik McDowell, most people thought head injury, completely everything went sideways that guy will never contribute they give him a shot he's been an absolutely fantastic interior player for the cleveland browns defense sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't the players do not give you the level of contribution that you hope will make up for not investing um picks in in the first round it, it it's you're you're hitting on it you have to not only the the guys you pay the frank clarks have to produce for you they have to um Chris Jones has to produce for you because of what you are paying, you know, him, him um, to do. But when those guys don't, whether it's through injury or, or moving them, you know, positionally or whatever, you at least need these other pieces that you sort of rolled the dice on or, or took a chance on to live up to your hope that they will fill out um, some of that talent deficit, some of the depth. And it hasn't happened. You know, it just hasn't. Let's be real. I mean, top to bottom defensively, there are a lot of things that are lacking here. It's part of why Brett Veach is getting some heat right now because people are starting to pick through drafts and they're starting to say, okay, well, here are the, here are the guys we did pick. You know, let's look at the top. Let's just look at the top three rounds and go through some of the players we picked defensively. Okay, they're not stepping into larger roles and contributing or, or over-contributing. You know, they're, they're, you don't see someone like when Frank Clark was taken – by the Seattle Seahawks in the second round. It was shocking because, I mean, he was coming off of all this off-the-field stuff, and people thought there's no way he's going to get – but he he overproduced for that slot. He was unbelievable. I mean, he was a first-round pick talent for the Seattle Seahawks. That's how he ended up getting the money and all these different things. Let's be real. I mean, what tell me who the Chiefs have drafted defensively or added recently um, in terms of – middle to low tier free agent pickups who have just really exponentially overperformed. But Jerry Sneed is the only one that vaguely right. springs to mind. Right. Right. That, I mean, that's the one where you could say, okay, well there's the, and the production here to, I, now I'm not saying, obviously I'm not saying that for everybody, but you need a few of those yeah. when you have breakdowns in the pa- particularly the pass rush. Let's be honest. If you, if you have, there are two things you can't, you can't go without in this NFL. You can't have corners who can't cover, whether it's zone or man or whatever it is. Well, I'd say three. You can't have corners that can't cover zone or man. You can't have, um, and I'm not saying this is the Chiefs, but I'm just saying, like, just from a general building standpoint, you can't not have a pass rush. That will come back to haunt you. You can't not have talent at the cornerback positions that are able to play in the scheme that you need them to play within. And then I think you can't have um, a total, you can't have like a total breakdown at safety. Okay. Like you can't, and I'm not saying that's, that's what's happening with the chiefs. I'm just saying if you're missing, right. But I mean, if you're missing three of those things, all three, you have a monumental problem. If you're missing two of those three things, you're probably going to, you're going to suffer at some point. And even if you're a playoff caliber offense missing two of the, now, if you're only missing one, 
okay, you can make some adjustments. Maybe you make a move at the trade deadline. Maybe schematically you change things a little bit and you can cover. Okay. But I'm telling you, you can't miss two or three and you definitely can't miss three or three. Um, that's a, that's a problem. So you think that Chris Jones moved to defensive end was to cover for the lack of quality. Like I, I mean, we were chatting on Sunday night and I, I said the rest of the guys at defensive end were Jacks, just another guy. And do you, I, I felt better about the depth at defensive tackle than I did about defensive end. Do you think that has anything to do with moving him to end? I do. Absolutely. I think I look, come on, let's be real. We, they looked at that and they said, this is basically the same defense we're bringing back. For all intents and purposes, we're bringing the same defensive back, defense back that we, we, we had last year. Now, unless Frank Clark um, turns into, um, you know, uh, the, the player. Frank Clark. Yeah, the, yeah, right. Exactly. If, unless he is playing at that, you know, Pro Bowl caliber level, um, we're going to need to address pass rush. And we're paying a guy already a defensive end salary effectively. They really are. I mean, they're paying Chris Jones a defensive end level salary. Um, the problem is you rob Peter to pay Paul. You took away someone who was absolutely special in the middle of your defense. And that I personally, and I told you this when you and I were kind of going back and forth on Sunday, I think that a um, having a top three pr pressure player in the middle of your defense, the middle of that defensive line is exponentially more valuable than if say if you had a top 20 defensive end and I don't even think he's a top 20 defensive end to be honest with you I mean if we're really being honest here um at this stage what you know and now could injuries be playing into that yeah absolutely like there's there's some mitigating factors but I think a pressure player in the middle is monumentally important even with so many uh, um even with so many offenses operating out of out of the gun which you know that, that takes away a little bit of uh, a guy having a great get off and, you know, um, splitting the, the guard center gap and creating pressure instantaneously a little bit more difficult when someone's operating out of shotgun or you have rollouts or some of these different schemes, but I don't, I don't care. Like if, if he is a top tier, um, defensive tackle who can create pressure from that position, it still screws up offensive schemes more often than not. And, and, uh, there are fewer of those in the NFL, frankly, than there are guys who can create pressure on the edge. There are more, you can scheme more pressure on the edge um, or you can, or there are a number of players who can get pressure from the edge. It's harder to scheme from the middle. Um, and it's, and it's harder to have a, a player who can do it on his own in the middle. It's why Aaron Donald's been, I mean, Aaron Donald's like a hall of fame player. Like it's why Aaron Donald could win three straight defensive player of the year. I mean, it's why it is because he's so special to have that kind of an impact from the middle. And frankly, it's why Chris Jones got paid and got paid. And quarterbacks like to step up in the pocket. And if you've got the guy who's collapsing the pocket yeah. from the middle, that takes away that element of things. Yeah, there's no question. I don't think there's any question of that. So, but if you put them back in the middle, you're right. You know, Good if you're, if you're weighing, yeah, if you're weighing out, you're, you're right about the depth. I mean, the, the, the strength in the, in the, in the middle of, of that defensive line is better than really on the edges. So you're like, okay, well, Got to kick him outside because it, 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 we have some depth on the inside. We have some talent on the inside. And so we're trying to, you know, cover some things, you know, but it hasn't worked. That's the problem is that it hasn't worked. And I think at some point when you realize it hasn't worked, you kind of maybe go, well, let's go back to what we do know works. So let's, let's, and then we'll figure it out. Um, yeah. Work it, work it out from the outside in. 
I, I quite like Mike Dana at defensive end. I think he's done a, a serviceable job. I, I tweeted the other week that he was doing better than Frank Clark. Um, <laughs> I, I would probably stand by that still, to be brutally honest. And he's getting paid yeah. a fraction of the money. But yep. uh, yeah, I mean Frank. Frank's this, you know. When we <laughs> when we were here in June, July, you were worried about the pass rush, and we were worried about the cornerback depth, and we were both right. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah. That, that's the defense in a nutshell at the moment. You can't cover and you can't get to the quarterback. You can't, and 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 it's not. It's so all encompassing. So I I was up until really up until right after the Tennessee game where I was like, okay, let me dig into this and start to look at more of what what have I missed here? Like how how encompassing is this? How all encompassing is it? Um, I was saying, well, they could go at the deadline, you know, you could go hunting for a piece, you know, a piece that could potentially. And then I realized when I looked at it, the totality of everything, I'm like, no, there's no piece. Like there's no, there's not a silver bullet out there. There's no player you can go and acquire who, you know, is, is somehow going to magically resolve this. You know, it was never going to be Stefan Gilmore. It was never, I mean, there's just, there was no player you could go and get and go, okay, that is not, that now is, is the thing that really is going to turn this around. Unfortunately, they are what they are in defense. I think that is an element of this team that you're going to have to ride out um, and then spend the offseason, probably devote the, a very, very large part of the draft to this um, and, and devote whatever maneuvers you can make in free agency and then poking around who might become available in the offseason to um, retooling that unit. And, and maybe even sitting down, if, if Steve Spagnuolo is still the defensive coordinator at that point, you go, okay. Um, is he under any pressure? Can we tweak, you know, from fans, <laughs> you know, I think they tend to, <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think that the, I, I feel like the, the franchise is going to be a little more patient there because they know when they look at the talent, they're like, Hey, it's not, there is a talent drain here a little bit. And there are guys that are not living up to um, what we're paying them to do. And it doesn't have anything to do with scheme. Um, it has to do with, you know, like Frank Clark isn't struggling because of Frank, because it's like a scheme issue. Now, Chris Jones, you could say, okay, well, you know, may, maybe you readjust where you play him on the field, but you know, I think you could go to Spags and say, hey, what can we do here? Are there things that we can adjust or, or are there players we can go and get that will allow us to augment the scheme a little bit in a way, because we're not going to, I don't even think it's at all, you can't fix it all in one off season kind of thing. It's just, let's fix what we can fix add what we can add and coach up maybe some of these younger players who have not yet taken the step that we hoped and, and try to fix this a little more organically. I know fans don't want to hear that, but that is possible by the way to do that. It is like t- defenses can get better. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Defensively. Now they made a, a coordinator switch, huge, big deal. You bring in Dan Quinn, that's different, but I'll tell you this, there are elements on the Dallas Cowboys defense there's a reason why Jalen Smith, they cut him loose. It's because they had younger players who they're like, hey, we coach these guys up. They've gotten better. They're contributing, you know, from safety to linebacker, Trevon Diggs at corner. A lot of these players took big steps and, and there was no guarantee that was going to happen. Micah Parsons has been great. He has. But, you know, Randy Gregory, for the limited time that he's been able to get in there and play for them, they, there's enough there where you're like, he, he can be a quality player for them consistently if he can stay on the field. And then, and they've even done this in the absence of Demarcus Lawrence. So that's a better defense than people realize. It's not perfect. It's very opportunistic, but it is possible. Okay. And remember, 
let's say they, you know, say the Chiefs don't make the 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 playoffs this year, and it just let's say it breaks as you know, just it it breaks bad, and for whatever reason they don't make the playoffs. Well, you're going to have a pick where you could have an opportunity to pick up a pretty good player. I mean, Micah Parsons wasn't he's if there was a redraft, is he a top five player? Yeah, he wasn't drafted in the top five. I think he came off what eleventh. Um, I think off the top of my head, I think he was eleventh pick in the draft. You know, you can you can find a player, and and if that player gets close enough to you in the first round, where you think, hey, he's a difference maker, they might have an opportunity to actually go and get a young piece who is is going to be a a, a very high level, high caliber player immediately. A number of teams did it. I, I think if J.C. Horn hadn't gotten hurt, um, he'd be a fantastic. He'd be playing very well for the Carolina Panthers right now. I think um, Patrick Sertan. Um, that kid is everyone's pissed that, you know, the Broncos passed on Justin Fields. I'm going to tell you, they're going to figure out they have a 10 year corner. Who's going to be really good for a really long time. And remember Trevon Diggs, as great as he's been, he was a second round pick, you know, you can, Multiple it's possible. Points. Yeah. You can go and get talented pieces. It's just do it. Trevon Diggs was our draft pick that year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you see, that's the one that I'll tell you what I went to their camp and I, uh, and I sat there and I was watching him and I was like, God, man, that dude looks great. I can't believe this is only his and really his first training camp, his first real training camp because of COVID only his second year. And, I, and I'm like, he looks fantastic. And the way he was interacting, like defensive players were sort of, he was leading them. They were listening to him. They were kind of, you know, really around him a lot. And I'm like, how is that possible? that a guy in his second year, like, this can't be real, right? And yet he kept making plays. At one point, he and Dak Prescott are, you know, talking trash to each other. And I'm like, man. And I remember tweeting it being like, man, John Dix looks really good. I had no idea he was going to be this good. I mean, he's been fantastic. I mean, he's he's uh, he's really risen in a way that, boy, if the Chiefs had him. <laughs> I mean, we were looking, even back then, so two drafts ago, we were looking at needs. And to us, cornerback was a bloody big need. And yet it's we've felt that way for a while. It's, it's been, I mean, okay. Who's the last dominant corner that the chiefs have had? Would you say Peter? I mean, at his, when he was Marcus playing, his, Peters, yeah, when, he, when he was playing his best, when he was yeah. playing his best, yeah. like he, and he was playing his best. Marcus Peters was good for gambling a couple of times yes. yeah. and giving up a, a, a huge play. But yeah, I mean, it's, that's a, that's a while. It's been a while, you know? So, um, but it's, I don't, this is a, I think it's going to be a decent defensive draft. Like it's, it's a, the teams that are going to be hurting in the draft this year. Like if you're looking for a quarterback this year, oh my God, I mean, it's going to be a slaughterhouse. Who knows what you're going to get out of a quarterback this year. Um, Detroit Lions looking at you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I mean, they're, you're, you know, there's going to be some good defensive players at the top though. Um, so I don't I, look, Brett Veach is, is, we felt great about Brett, right? Like he's, and, and I still think there's a reason to feel good about him. It's just, okay, let's, let's recover here. Let's, let's, uh, let's, you can, you can have a down moment and then recover. Like it's definitely possible, but this is it. This is when it, it's really going to matter. And you, like, you look at the, the Los Angeles Rams, um, the Rams traded away. Uh, like they have, it's like they're, they never have a first round pick ever. They're, they're throwing a ton of money at all these, like there's like four players who all have like max ridiculous deals, like all these things. But the, but the, the personnel department has been pretty good finding some younger players who could come in and 
fill gaps and roles. Um, you know, it's funny because who's the guy that got John, was it John Franklin Myers who, uh, like they didn't even have a use for that guy. And then the jets just gave him like a huge contract. <laughs> like, um, it's, uh, that's why I think, Hey, personnel departments are worth their weight in gold. As long as you, uh, once you have the good area scouts, you have a good over the top scout, you have a good national scout, you have a good GM, pay them, pay them, pay them to keep them. We, um, Talking about defense and all the decisions they're going to have to make. Another one's Tyron Matthew, who they decide we, we were waiting for the news. Yeah. We waited in the offseason. We waited before the draft. It'll be done before the se- training camp. It'll be done before the season. Hasn't happened. Yeah. And defense is that bad. It feels like he, if, if the Chiefs want to keep him, it really feels at the moment like he could write whatever number he wants down on a piece of paper. But And yet he's getting so chippy on, with the fans and yeah, the media. He's getting to a point where we're not sure he's coming back. Yeah, I, I don't know that he wants to be there next season. No. I, I don't yeah. get that impression. I, I, I sense there's immense disappointment in his camp that that deal didn't get. You know, I think there was a thought process it was definitely going to get done, and it just didn't. And you know, he's. Um, you're right. He's been. You know, he's he's an emotional guy. Like it's just who he is. It's how he plays. It's how he interacts with people. I'm. I am infamous at least i was with therese for getting into it with Teran matthew on you know he and i went at it on twitter and and yet he fought you know like he, he follows me like we're fine now like it's yeah. it's you know and i i was also a big proponent to get that deal done i thought that, you know i was like oh get that deal done they're not gonna you know they're not gonna skimp on this guy but um it's i tend to believe that when the deal's not done at this stage it's and and things aren't going great it's, it's less likely that a deal is going to get done. And also, I, a lot of teams out there have a very high opinion of him, and you can guarantee his agent's sitting there going, look, man, if, if, if you get out there, if you get out on the open market, there's a lot of teams out there that like you, and uh, there's not going to be a problem. When I do, I'll give you a good example of this. So when I, when I went to do um, my all-pro stuff last year, um, Whenever I asked anybody who faced the Chiefs, you know, when I when I said, you know, okay, let's break down. Here are some players that I'm trying to parse out for first team All Pro or whatever. Um, who do you have to prepare for? Who drives you nuts? Who gives you the most problems? That guy, if you, any anyone would talk about the Chiefs defense, would always be like Tran Matthews. You know, our, our A one number one problem. We are always focused on like what is he doing? You know, what what's the disruption he's going to cause? Um, hard to lose a player like that, but if this they let is him pretty... walk third round compensate repick, because he's oh, gonna yeah. get a big contract. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would think. Well, now remember, there's there, you know, that's an equation, everything that goes into it. What did you lose? Yeah. What did you gain? All these different things. But yeah, he would I think he would factor in as that is the type of return you should be getting on him. And uh because he's he's gonna He's going to sign that kind of a deal. I, I'd it's be it's the kind of thing the Patriots were always good at when they're in the prime, wasn't it? Knowing when to let players go and take yeah. whatever the league would give them in return for them. Yeah, and and you know, and there are times too where the Patriots were good at putting their value on a player and then saying, you know, we're going to let him go if this doesn't work out. And like, I'll give you an example: Trent Brown. They're like, we're not paying that guy. You know, this is an astronomical figure. We know what it take him ready in our building, whatever, you know, we, we just don't feel like that's somebody that we, we, we would ever give that money to. He goes, you know, he goes to the Raiders, doesn't work out. The Raiders have a miserable, it's a miserable time with him. 
Good. And he ends up back in the, he ends up back with the, uh, with the Patriots. And they're like, yeah, see, that's how this works. Sometimes we know what we, how we value. We'll let you into the world. And maybe that doesn't work out. And you, and you end up coming back in the fold with us, Kyle Vanoy. Um, I mean, there's, there's um, any number of players that, that if you can figure out what the player's value is to you and just stick to that and be true to that, you're going to be fine as long as you can make it up on, if it doesn't work out, you can go find the players personnel wise. So and he's going to be looking at what fifteen mil a season average. Probably. Um, I'd have to. I mean, I haven't crushed the free agent, you know, the free agency market and looked at um, what salary is going to get rolled over and then what the need is going to be for teams. But yeah, I mean, I would, I would think that that's ballpark figure. Yeah, that's that would that would probably be a decent ballpark figure. Now again, I there are also players though that when I put ballpark figures on them. Sometimes they blow it out. And, and that was why he and I got into it last time was because I looked at the safety class and I'm like, they're not blowing out everybody. One of these guys is going to get left out in the cold. I thought it was Taran Matthew. No, it was Earl Thomas. Like I screwed up. I just had the assessment wrong when I was talking to everybody about who's the one who's going to kind of end up not getting the money they're expecting. And everyone was, you know, people are telling me it's, it's Taran, it's Taran. No, it was, Taran was fine. It was Earl Thomas who had the problem. So, and then, Hey, Wow, no kidding. It turns out that that was there was a reason why Earl Thomas couldn't get the money. So, so is it a, a I was going to say a reasonable possibility, but I'll just stick with possibility. Turn Matthews gone, Frank Clark's cut at the end of the season. Anthony Hitchens probably gets cut. He saves about eight to ten million on the cap. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of cap money there that could be freed up. And potentially then getting a third round comp pick for Matthew as well. That's is that the, the starting? Sorry? That's our leaders on every level, supposedly. It, it is, but is that the Frank starting Clark, basis yeah. then for rebuilding the defense? Um, could, could you afford yeah. to lose all three of them? Uh, uh, no, I mean, well, it's it's... Frank, Frank, I think, I mean, with where things are at, you know, with Frank, I, I don't know that that's ever going to get better. So yeah, Frank, I think you can afford to lose him because it's, it's been declining returns now two seasons in a row. And remember there's off season stuff or off the field stuff too, which you got two court cases going on. You should should never have. Right. And I mean, coming into coming into the league with everything that was surrounding Frank in the first place, the deal was always, Hey man, we're not, we're not doing like, we're taking a chance. Even, you know, in Seattle, that was the, we're taking a chance on you. Please do not, don't have any off-field stuff, yeah. you know, and let That's alone cool. knocking knocking Jermaine Effetti's head off in practice one time. You know, I mean, like it. it so for him to have that that come up now in the middle of all this is, I, I think you can afford to lose him. You know, Hitchens and and Matthew. I would prefer to keep those guys. Like I really would. I would. I would really want um, those two to remain in the fold. Now that said. If you're if Teran Matthew goes out the door, I, I could see the scenario where you lose all three because you're going, okay, this is not going to be easy and it's not going to be a one one season fix. So let's start the tough reboot now. We're gonna have to do it. Knowing that Pat Mahomes isn't going anywhere, you know, um Tyreek Hill isn't going anywhere, Travis Kelsey isn't going anywhere. Um that some of the uh, we rebuilt that offensive line. Those nobody's there is going anywhere. Um maybe the the offense is just some tweaks whereas the defense is the overhaul and it's not a patch overhaal it's an overhaul overhaul it's a it's a let's start by 
uprooting some salary and, and seeing if we can go and find um, maybe some, bar, not bargain basement players, but, you know, some middle, middle tier players who can be successful for us draft correctly. And then maybe we take a shot here or there on a, on a higher priced player. Um, but I wouldn't, if fans are like, well, okay, those three guys go out the door and we're going to have like some kind of blowout in free agency. I wouldn't expect that. I, I, if I was the chiefs, particularly when it comes to that defense, I would be okay saying we're going to, we're going to fix the offense the best we can and try to pick up some, some value on this defense. And then know that when the cap jumps in 2023, we're going to have some breathing room and, and we've moved some salary off the books to, to roll over some money, maybe even hold on to some money next season and roll it over because 2023 is going to be, there are a lot of, you know, there's going to be a lot of money in the system. Be a lot of, of competition in the system too, but you also have a, a bonus that not a lot of other teams have. And there are going to be occasionally some veterans who go, Hey, okay, um, maybe I'm not going to make a huge salary here. I want to go play with Brady, Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Whitney Merciless, and, and Jalen Smith go to Green Bay and they both went there saying the same thing. I want to go play with Rodgers. Like they got, I think they got a shot. And I think I can add to what is a defense that needs some addition. I want to go play with that quarterback and win a ring. You got, you got a guy who you can pitch that to some, some bargain level veteran um, defensive players who can, who can help you. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's um, going to be hard. I will say yeah. this, it's going to be hard. Like, like it's not going to be pleasant. Like it's, you know, it's, it's hard to, to go through that process of, of, um, Uprooting it, some talent and is there a Super Bowl there. window closed at the moment? Or is it always is it always there when Mahomes is there? I, I think if if the if the offense gets back to um, the level that we are used to, and I don't think that's completely off the table. I think that it no, I don't think it's closed. Um, I, I do think that the precarious part of this is, and we talked about this coming into the season, is that you need the ability to pressure in the, in the playoffs. Like you're going to run into teams where you got, you're going to have to disrupt quarterbacks. You're going to have to be able to do it. And, you know, so that, that is, that disrupts, you know, that creates problems with the Super Bowl window because you can't just boat race every single game. It's really hard to do that, particularly if you're turning the ball over as they are right now. Now that, now we can get into all that because I do think there's some ability to, to get a little bit better um, offensively. But um, defensively, I just think it's going to be a longer stretch. You're going to have to deal with what you have now in the books and then make some decisions in the offseason, knowing that, you know, it's, it's, it's a more of an expansive job um, defensively overhauling here. But remember, they did do it once before. There was, this isn't the first time the defense has been a problem and they've been like, hey, we really have to go and overhaul it. The difference is you just can't go out and spend the way that they did previously because the contract situations on offense are, are different now. Okay, we've used one Zoom call on defense here, so we're going to reload Zoom <laughs> and we'll be back in a second with another one. Right, <laughs> we'll look good. at the offense. Okay, so we're back and um, let's talk offense then, Charles. Um, in our back and forth on Sunday, you said something which surprised me, which was that you, you weren't particularly concerned about the offense, despite the fact they're a turnover machine at the moment. Yeah. Um. And the, the way teams are playing against them is making life difficult, although we are still scoring the guts of 30 points a game on average. 
what gives you hope that the offense is going to be okay? Well, okay. I mean, there's a lot of, it's not the first time we've seen everybody throw the kitchen sink at them in terms of like the cover two defense. And this is how you beat the Chiefs. And we've seen that in the past and they figured out the ways to resolve that. They have players um, that, that can crack the cover two and, and force teams to adjust. The, the difference now is, or, or at least a problem now, is that you don't have teams. It's not like teams are blitzing a lot. They're not. They're just laying back. I think there was, when I, when I watched the Titans game, I think they might have only thrown like one or two. One. Um, what, was it one? Yeah. One like blitz. One blitz yeah. At them. yeah. I mean, the whole game. And it had to be, what, 50 snaps, 45 yeah. snaps offensively? That, I mean, that's, that's saying something as a defense yeah. when that's all you're doing. Well, well, it's because they're seeing that there's still inconsistency in that offensive line. Okay. And we'll get to Patrick Mahomes in a second, but let me start there because I actually think this is where this can get a little bit better people. And, and I, I, um, should have absorbed this a little bit better than I did, but remember you have two key pieces that you go and get, um, one in free agency, one via trade in that offensive line. Right. And then you mix them with young guys, rookies who are getting snaps on that offensive line. And I should have realized, hey, there's going to be some speed bumps here. There's going to be some. There's going to be an element that the unit's going to have to keep getting better as the season goes on. Um, Tennessee was a tough, really tough game for that unit. It's been up and down. You know, it's not like it's been terrible. As I told you, I expected it to be one, two, three, four. You know, by the end of the season, um, I still think the talent is there for that to happen, but. The left tackle, you know, that you went and traded for, Orlando Brown, he's going to have to settle in at that position. I don't think he's there. Um, I do think the you know, young players, particularly on the offensive line, tend to get better as the season goes on. They, you know, it's just, you know, understanding line calls, the experience of how to play um, NFL caliber players who have more than one move in, in your face. And then some of the things that teams will do uh, to mix up looks up front they start to adjust to that and become a little more um, aware of, of how to deal with that. So I do think that as a unit can get better as the season goes on. And that's a good thing. That's a, that is a, that's something that helps to settle down things um, for your offense. Now that said, Patrick Mahomes has to also be a part of helping that process. Okay. And he is not someone that is beyond reproach here. He's not someone who's beyond criticism in, in things that have gone wrong. Um, yes, there have been interceptions that are not his fault. Okay. I've seen the carom balls and, you know, things that, that, you know, guys should be catching and they're not. Um, but he has also thrown, he's thrown some, he's had some mistakes of aggression. He's had turnovers that, that, um, were on him. Okay. And there's an element of Mahomes having to realize that, okay, I'm going to have to throw it away, you know, or, or uh, maybe I'm gonna have to take a sack here. You know, I don't, I, he is a, when I watch him, particularly this season, he does not want to take sacks. Like he just refuses. And, and he's he puts, taken 14. And which, and, which and surprised me. He he's he's taken sacks, but he and but you when you see some of the turnovers, you're like, man, he is really doing too much at this point. Like it's getting to like a Carson Wentz level where it's like, dude, you are getting pulled to your knees. Do not throw that ball. The one like, against take, Washington. Take, last yeah, week. yeah. He's, yeah. I mean, he's had a couple where it's just like, dude, don't, don't throw it away, you know. Um don't put the offensive line, which is still, you know, growing together at this point into a situation where if you're going off script this consistently and it's not working, you, you're putting them in precarious positions where they're, they're, they're going to be breakdowns and it's not always going to be their fault. Now, Tennessee, a lot of breakdowns were their fault. Like there, you know, there, there have been 
times where it's not their fault. There's times where it, it is their fault. There's times where Pat plays into it. Um, so I think he has to help in um, knowing how, you know, not putting this group that's still coming together into situations where it has to um, on the fly, particularly given the inexperience with some of the players, um, you know, a couple of the young guys, put them in positions where they have to um, figure out exactly what Patrick is doing and, and continue to protect him, not get him hurt. And he's going to have to eat some throwing the ball 10 yards out of bounds. He's going to have to eat some, you know, just take the sack. Don't try to do something um, that's going to put you in a situation where you could hurt yourself. So, you know, I mean, how did he pass that concussion? Right. Yeah. yeah. You and I, you and I were oh, just like, what? Like, how is he not concussed right now? That was such a scary play. And it was hard to, you know, even the two or three times I ended up watching it over, I'm like, every time I watch it, I'm like, this gets worse every time I watch it. Um, do, do you so think he, that concussion test would have been different for anybody else? Is there a Patrick Mahomes factor uh, in that? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to, I, I, it's hard for me to believe that the coaching staff there would not have been like, you know, if, if they believed, Hey, he's concussed and there's no, like, I don't think they're going to, they're going to roll the dice on that one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's, it's still hard for me to believe that he was, he, he passed it that quickly, but um, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but yeah. uh, I, I also, I have faith that the coaching staff will go, we're not, you know, we're not going to do that with this kid. Like we're not. And I would think you would hope they do that with any player, but him in particular, you don't, I don't think you play those games where you're trying to push somebody out there. Um, when you're 27, three down with about five minutes to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's four for 19. Was it, was it that much? <laughs> I think it was four from, four from 10 plus, And we took field goals down 24 and 27, but we went for it there. Yeah. The, in the position in the fourth yeah. quarter, which and I, the, I will, I was not happy. He was on the field for that play. The, Right. The field goals. Right. And it was straining credulity at that point to think that, you know, even with them, that's, that's a situation where you're like, you're probably not coming back this time. This is really, you're, you're, you're reaching at this point. So I'm with you. I I question whether he should have been on the team there, but sticking with that offensive line and Patrick Mahomes, I do. I think those two can, those two can help each other. I trust Patrick to, clean up some of the things that he's doing now. He, I, he's been saying he's going to make better decisions or he's going to think, you know, look over these turnovers and, and we've yet to see the sort of results of that. I do trust that even though he's got the gene in him in terms of the football player, he's been going all the way back to Texas tech. He's been a risk taker. He's been someone who's a, you know, he's a gunner. He's, he's got the traits of, of leaning into uh, um, being more aggressive to try to carry a team. Um, if it's struggling, um, I, I think he can figure out what he needs to do to rein himself in a little bit to help the guys in front of him. I think they will figure out the things they need to do to solidify that group and continue to, to aid the chemistry moving forward unless there's injuries. Um, so I, I do. I think that's one of the positives that I look at, and I think there, there's something here to, to help resolve this. And frankly, I think resolving um, – some of the decisions that he's making and resolving um, the, the offensive line, you know, the growth and, and the chemistry and, and um, him helping them move forward. It's part of that helping them not dropping quite so deep because yeah. to my untrained eye, he was at times 10 yards deep and particularly Orlando Brown, once they put a speed rusher on him. Yeah, you can't. He, he was really struggling with that. And with Mahomes so deep, 
it was never it was a non-starter yeah and brown brown's um I don't think it's ever been a situation where you're like, well, his, his feet are so great that he's going to be able to athletically keep up with um, edge rushers with speed, um, particularly when a quarterback's taking really deep drops or, or um, going off script and backing up. <laughs> like, you know, in the midst of a play that starts to break down, um, Patrick Mahomes is not, a, he's not like a forward move. He's not like, hey, look, Lamar Jackson's like, all right, I'm going to take off. Like I'm running here. No, Patrick's like, okay, I'll, I'll back up another five yards to, you know, create. I've got, I've got the right. I've got the arm where I can back up five, 10 yards and still get it wherever I need to get it. So I will do that. No, that does not help a player like Orlando Brown. And so there, yeah, there are depth issues that, that, you know, uh, it, it's not beyond a, an offensive tackle to tell a quarterback you're getting too deep on, you know, don't get so deep. And, and if, if you see me losing the edge, step in, step up, you know, help me by stepping up that way I can recover. Um, and, and it's just, you know, there's communication. And again, this goes back to four pieces of the offensive line that were not there a year ago. Right. And, and, and so I, it was on me too. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is going to be an all world line. And I did not properly sit there and assess that. Hey, when you move this much around, you're going to have to have some patience. Um, I was one of the Patrick Mahomes flowers and rainbows guy. <laughs> I was like, everything always goes right. Everything always, you know, works out, You're particularly like on that. offense. Yeah. And, and um, that, that has not been the case. So uh, as far as the running game goes, I don't, I don't, you know, at this point, I'm you, you, I will, I will say this, this is the only thing I'm going to say about the running game. Okay. If you're sitting there and you're going single high safety, we don't want to run fine. If you're, if you're looking at a single high look and you're like, we're just not going to, to run the football, but they're getting, if you are sitting there and teams are going, we're not sending, um, we're, we're, we're going to play cover two and we're, we're not going to blitz you and we're going to have, and, 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 you know, it's two, it's two high safeties run, run the ball, like take it, take what they are giving you. So why can't we run the ball then? Because, (laughs) and, and it, it doesn't seem to make a great, I'm, I would be a, a slight proponent of the running backs don't matter club in that I, I didn't see a great deal of difference between Williams and Clyde Edwards Hilaire back there in terms of production. And, you know, that that's coming from the offensive line to me and how well the run blocking. Like you ought to be able to get five yards of carry if they're dropping that deep and not blitzing. That should be a gimme. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, against, particularly against, you know, two, uh, you know, the double high safeties. I'm like, you should be running. Like, they're daring you to run it. They're saying, go yeah. ahead, try it. And you have to be able to establish that. You know, Clyde Edwards Elayer, I mean, I, I was kind of like, I guess part of the reason I always like that pick is I imagine in the, you know, the way that Andy Reid can use him creatively in the passing game. Um, I wasn't sitting there going, well, he's just going to rip off. Um, these 20 yard runs and be this. I was like, no, he's, he's versatile. There's versatility in the scheme and that's what he's going to bring. And yet I don't feel like that's really been, and now I don't know if that's because he can't do it. I don't know. I can't speak to, this is where I was, I will always fall short of Therese because he lived there and he, you know, he's kind of, you know, he knows he's inside that organization. He's talking to a lot of people inside the organization. He always would be able to pick up the phone and go, Hey, what's the, what this player in particular, what exactly is going on with that? You know, I particularly when you don't live in the city um, of, of the team that you covered as a beat writer too, as well. What you end up doing is you call opposing pro personnel guys who do a lot of advanced work, and you go, "What are you seeing? You know, what 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 exactly is happening here um, that that is causing these limitations for a certain player 
or why is the scheme not working? I can't speak to why um, he's, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has not been used maybe in the, in the fashion that I thought would be more creative. Um, as, and, you know, I mean, his skill set was a pass receiving back. That's how he was built coming out of, yeah. um, out of college. But that, that kind of leads me to play. I have play calling question mark written down here. If if you know how teams are going to defend against you, and Andy is a genius play caller, which he is, why is he struggling, or or are we struggling? I mean, we're still getting a shit ton of yardage. Yeah, is it just the turnovers that are yeah stifling I, the offense? Is is I, that literally the extent of the problem I, in the offense? I cannot explain to you how damaging turnovers are to a yeah. team. Okay, like it is it is immensely damaging. Like I'll I'll give you an example. Um, go back to uh, two years ago, so not twenty twenty. Go back to twenty nineteen for the Browns and Baker Mayfield. Okay, there he was horrendous season, and and they were and anytime you talk to anybody in Cleveland's organization, they're like. We are turning the ball for an exponent. It's killing us. It's killing everything we can do. Um, or even, even the times where we're not turning it over, but there are fumbles that we recover, kills us in down and distance. It, it hurts us in terms of the, you know, the, the scheme, the plan that we have set up. And, and then you go back to last season with Baker Mayfield. What changed? Offensive line got better. He didn't turn the ball over. Next thing you know, you know, Baker's, oh, we're talking contract extension. We're talking, and then they go in the go in the playoffs. They beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like it's it, 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 it can make or break teams when you turn the ball over like this, particularly if you're not a team that has been turnover prone and you have a player in, you know, who is your best player, who's arguably the best player in the NFL season in season out, who is part of that turnover problem. Um, and then you can't have players beyond him turning it over. And what I mean by that is Edwards Elayer, when he was having problems earlier and he's turning the ball over, when the ball is bouncing off people, you know, when, when, when Mahomes is hitting receivers and, or, or, or anyone on the, in the hands anywhere, if it's a catchable ball and you're not catching it and someone, the defense is, and then, and then he complicates that by then you know, having bad plays where he's turning it over. No, it just, dis- it completely disrupts some of the things you're doing scheme wise. Um, and I'll go back again to the play calling where, I think that some of that is affected by the offensive line. How can you go through a game like Tennessee and not sit there and go, we have to augment what we're doing up front. We just got beat up up front without any blitz schemes. They just beat us. They just set four and beat us consistently up front. We can't have that happen. So we have to scheme a little differently. Teams typically adjust to that by you go heavy. You know, you bring in, you have two, you run two tight end sets or you run, you know, um, tight end running back. I mean, you just, you just, you, you lean more into running the football. That's, that's, I, I'm a believer in Andy, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I think they will figure this out and they have the pieces to figure it out on offense. They have the room to grow on offense. It can settle down. I truly believe that. I think that's where you look for your silver lining here to get better as the season moves on. And and they have the play caller who has the experience. So it's, it's a, uh, it's a rough patch. It's not good, but and I'm also with Mahomes where I'm like, Hey, He's right. It's been all, everything has gone perfectly. There was going to come a time where it did not go perfectly. And sometimes when it's, it's beyond that, it's things are going wrong and consistently wrong. And I am part of it going consistently wrong. And now we have to figure out how to, how to settle that down. 
it seems very much like the whole theme of the podcast has been like you can't put your finger on one thing. Like even the turnovers, it's it's not just interceptions. No, it, it's fumbles. McCall yeah. Hardman's fumbled two games in a row. Yeah. I think Clyde, Clyde before he got injured, fumbled a few times. Yeah. Pringle, who's wide receiver, I know he's on kick return. He fumbled a kick return. Hardman, and, and then, and then you start player. to wonder whether teams are starting to focus on that as well, and they're going okay. We, we aim for the football now. We're not aiming to bring these guys down. We are, but go for the football because they might cough it up again. Yeah, I, well, I mean, when teams go through a spate of fumbles, that does become part of the opposing, you know, your coach to punch out the ball, your coach to, you know, hey, they, they, they can't hang on to it right now. There's, you know, uh, I'll give you an example. Jonathan Taylor, every time, just because of how his career has gone um, historically, when teams are, are scheming up against the Colts and you get your player card in front of you and it's like, okay, this is Jonathan Taylor. You can get the ball away from him. Like he will. Okay. Carson Wentz. Um, you know, if, if he is breaking pocket, if he's, if the play is breaking down, he's going off script, be ball aware because he's going to do something where he's going to throw it over his shoulder or he's going to be falling to his knees and he's going to pitch a ball up be ready for a, a, a potential for, for a turnover to happen. I don't want to say that's just germane to the Chiefs, though. I mean, it's, you know, that's how defenders are taught anyway nowadays, that the value of a, of a turnover is so immense in a game that if you get around the ball, you're, there's – it's – hey, are you a defender who cannot get the ball away, but you can hold the defender up or an offensive player up while the other defender strips it? Let's work on that. Let's, I mean, Ron Rivera literally made a, he made a career of this in Chicago as a defensive coordinator where he was like, I'm going to teach you to strip the ball. Like I'm going to teach, this is, we're going to literally spend practices teaching you how to hold up an offensive player while the other guy comes in and pulls the ball away. And it worked for a long time. So, um, but turnovers, it is, it's you, if you resolve turnovers, it's a, it's a, goes a long way um, toward you being able to, stay on schedule in terms of how you wanted the game to, to scheme out offensively. Um, and if, if we could resolve the turnovers, we have been playing from behind a lot, or at least not from in front a lot. Right. And that changes how we can defend against teams as well, because they've got free range of the playbook. Say we can run the ball, we can pass the ball. Yep. If we could stop the turnovers on offense, how much of an impact do you think that then has on the defense in that, we could well be playing with a lead and forcing the opposition to pass. It's, it's massive in that, um, in the traditional ways where we all know if you don't turn the ball over, you extend drives, it keeps the defense off the field. You know, all the, the cliche things that we know about, about ball control and, and keeping a defensive a defense fresh. But I think there's also a mental component to it as well. And, and we don't spend a ton of time talking about the mental side of football um, because it's harder to measure. But the truth is when you're sitting there in your defense, particularly if your defense not playing particularly well, so you're kind of happy to be off. Again. Yeah. Well, you're, yeah, you're kind of happy to be off the field. You're like, okay, we're, you know, they're doing, they're dealing right now. Great. We have a chance to sit here, breathe, figure it out. Let's talk about maybe what a breakdown was or what do we want to accomplish next time out? What are we seeing? And in the middle of that, all of a sudden there's a turnover. <laughs> you got to get your ass back on the field. Um, it's no, it's, there's a mental component of that where it's as a defense, particularly if you're struggling, like this is this is really not helping us, man. This is we're we're you're, it just puts more pressure on a defensive unit, which is fine if a defensive unit's great and and is and can hold the fort. Um, but if the defense is struggling, 
you don't want to, you don't want to put them on the field. You know um, you have to hold up your end of the bar. Right. And, and there is, there's an element of playing on schedule offensively. There's an element of playing on schedule defensively. You don't want um, to put yourself in situations where, you know, your, your offense is always playing to catch up, which forces them to be more aggressive, which, you know, aggression leads to turnovers, which leads to, it's all cyclical. You know how this all works. So um, you, you, I think the, the, the defense can be aided at least what's there. Like, like I said, it's not going to change significantly. It can be aided though, by playing better offensive football and, and scoring points and playing from ahead and giving, giving uh, the defense a little bit of an ability to dictate terms of, of exactly what it, what it wants to do. I don't see it being a situation where, Hey, the chiefs are up. They put the, you know, put whoever they're playing in a passing mode. They're going to, now they can really pin their ears back. And, and I don't know that that's really ever going to happen, even in situations where, you know, consistently you're going to be facing a, a quarterback and, you know, dropping in the pocket to throw um, every offensive rep, but it does help. I will say that it definitely helps. You know, you makes life easier for, for whoever's on the edge um, knowing this isn't going to be a running play. They're down by 24 points right now. They got to throw. Yeah. It's just a shame that, that you guys are tags. <laughs> It's, so it's, <laughs> I'm with you, man. I feel, I feel the pain that she stands right now. So give, give us hope then for the rest of the season. Like where offensive line improves, stop turning the ball over. Let me pull up the schedule here. Cause I was looking at this. Oh, it's um, savage. It's, it's, it's not, that was, that was the thing too. Um, it was funny because when, when things started to get, complicated you know and it was like oh this is no this is more of a this isn't a blip it's it's going to be more of a consistent fight you know for this team and then I looked at the schedule I'm like whoa this schedule is a lot harder than I realized Giants Giants this week yeah the Giants 10 point favorites not sure I'd back us to cover that to be honest at the moment um I, I would kind of see this as a Washington Philly kind of game they're not very good. We should beat them comfortably. I would say that there is a um, make or break. Look, after you get past the Giants, look, Green Bay, Las Vegas, and Dallas are all three teams that are going to fa- – they should factor down the stretch, right? Yeah. So if we're going to do this thing where we're doing measuring sticks, um, I, I, I think that um, that stretch going into the bye – is is going to set the compass for for where the season goes from this point. Got to win two of them. I I think it would be yeah. You got, I think if you split, okay, you go into the bye, you 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 try to figure out what you can adjust going down the back stretch, and and you're fighting tooth and nail to get into the playoffs. You know, you go three and one, and and hey, let's 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 be dreamers. If you go four and zero. Oh, the mentality completely changes, you know, then, then you're, it's like a complete, it's, it's basically what we've seen with the Titans, you know, we, there was, wasn't that long ago, <laughs> you know, we're looking at the Titans are like, Whoa, this is all, you know, what's wrong with this team. And they're, you know, they're, they're breaking down and they're not anything like what we thought they could be. And then no, no, they're actually, they're fine. They're just fine. They, they know what their identity is. And that's the thing too, that, that I think is important here is when you look at why Tennessee has been successful the last several games, it's, it is that identity we're familiar with, okay, right? It's running the football. It's, it's not having to put Ryan Tannehill in situations where it's like, hey, you know what? 
go throw for 400 yards. Uh, we brought Julio in AJ Brown. Let's, we're going to be this downfield. No, it's they're physical. Um, Derek Henry is, is, uh, unbelievable. Like uh, he'll be one of the lifetime backs for us. He'll be one of the ones that we look at and we'll say Derek Henry. I remember him. Like I remember Barry Sanders and you know, all these other greats. Um, but they know what their identity is on offense and that has helped them considerably. Um, but also relearning that, Hey, yeah, that's who we are. This is this having that confidence of remembering what your identity is and having it work. Is I think that the part Chiefs, of the Chiefs' problem then is that teams have taken away that identity with it yeah. with this quick strike, deep passing offense, and we just can't do that at yep. the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 the um, wait. They figured out how to beat cover two before. Like, why 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 is this a problem again? Like, what yeah. what's the deal here? It is. It is. It is once again recognizing, finding that you know when things start to work again and and confidence sets in. Now, here's one thing I want to bring up though. And I always, I will always put this out there because you, you never find these things out until a year later or two years, two years later. Like is Tyreek Hill 100% healthy? You yeah. know, is is uh, like I'm, that's the thing. Like I don't know. There, I'm like, are there guys that are not Kelsey, as healthy? Like, I'm not sure Kelsey is either. Right, Kelsey. Like are these are these guys all 100% healthy? I remember one time, um, I was at a, I was at the combine and I I met up with a with a Patriots staffer, and. Um, he said to me, he goes, yeah, man. He's like the whole season. Uh, Tom's, Tom's throwing, Tom's throwing sort of screwed Tom Brady. And I'm like, you were not this. What you, I never saw that on the injury report. Like, I know you guys are famous for, you know, not, not admitting injuries. I was like, but you're saying like his, his, he was like the entire season, Tom's shoulder was a problem. And I'm like, wow. Okay. That puts into perspective what I saw this year completely changes you know, what some of the problems were that I couldn't even understand. I, you know, like, I'm like, okay, is that part of the problem here? I said that about Baker before the shoulder um, became a problem again. When he started to not look right, I, I said on the podcast, I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to when he threw that pick and he, and, he, and he tackled, you know, he threw a tackle and hurt his shoulder. I'm like, he has never looked right since then to me. Lo and behold, <laughs> you know, he come out. Now, now it's like, hey, you know what? His shoulder's been a problem since then. But it took him completely basically tearing his rotator cuff um, for us to, or tearing his labrum and, and having the, the rotator cuff not fire, all this stuff, um, to find out what a big problem it really was. So I will say that maybe there, there's possible that there's something in the matrix that we don't know about and we may not know about for weeks, months, maybe, maybe not for years. Just going back to the schedule, like when we come out of the bye week there, three divisional games in a row – is that the season divining stretch there? Um, yeah, I mean, for, yeah, for, well, obviously from a divisional standpoint, um, that that's a defining stretch. I I'm to me, I guess what I'm looking at is, um, when I look at that green Bay, Las Vegas, Dallas stretch, I'm like, this, this is your opportunity to go toe to toe with teams that are going to factor. If you, if you can come out of that going, here's our identity, here's who we are. Now we're, you know, we're successful. We've, we've the next four games, like I said, if you go three and one, even if you go two and two and you feel like you're figuring some things out, um, I think that dramatically affects the back end and, and mentally, you know, because look, let's be honest. Should they beat Denver? Yeah, they should beat Denver. Um, if they can beat uh, Las Vegas on November 14th, okay, well, they come in on, on December 12th. That's a, that's a, okay, well, you're talking about how you, you're, 
oh, well, that's that's a win. You just chalk it up right now. That's a W right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's the back end stretch there. It's the funny thing too because when the season started, we're probably looking there going, eh, you know, Denver probably not going to be that great. You know, Vegas probably going to struggle. You know, it's not it's not going to be a season where we really expected them to to play at this level that they have, particularly after Gruden goes with everything out, going like, on. Yeah. You know, with everything going out on. You know, the Chargers, we suspected, hey, you know, maybe. But the funny thing is, you know, between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, what what game would we have thought was tough? Or like, oh, that Pittsburgh game, that's probably going to be tough. No, Cincinnati is the game that now you have to worry about. Uh, it's crazy. Like, it's nuts. But that's kind of how the season's gone. So I'm, I'm just – let me see what they look like into the bye. If this is a disaster going into the bye, then – Seasonal. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you're, you're, you can make the kind of wholesale changes necessary. Um, but they have an opportunity the next four games to, as I said, kind of do what the Titans did right themselves and really put themselves on a track where you're like, no, they're going to be just fine. I think, I think that's what's happened with the Chiefs fans this week in particular was that with everything that's gone on this season, we get, we get to this Titans game where it really feels like a benchmark for us to decide like, okay, which direction is this team going in? If, right. if you beat the Titans after they've had a few good wins themselves, a team that are going to be competing for the AFC or the same place the Chiefs want to go, and then you absolutely lay an edge. Three points on, on which is unheard of in the Mahomes era. And, you you know, we, we've got a game against the Giants on Monday night where Chiefs fans basically, as bad as we are, expect us to just roll them over. And, and that's a no-win it's like a lose-lose game because if you beat them, you're supposed to. If you lose, then you're in the in the mire, and and it, it really does just feel now we've got to get to another one of these big so-called contender teams. We need to beat one of these contender teams for confidence more than anything. It feels like at the moment. I think the the losses against contenders have been getting progressively worse, and that's what worries me the most. Okay, look, I'll, I'll give you. Let me let me let me help you out here, and and I'm gonna keep going back to Tennessee because I think this is important. They lost to the Jets. They lost to the Jets. And then the next week, what did they do? They beat the hell out of Jacksonville. But what was that? Well, you're supposed to do that. You know, if you lose, it's monumentally bad and you're falling apart and who's getting fired. If you beat Jacksonville, well, okay. I mean, it's Jacksonville. You're supposed to do that or winless. Jacksonville stinks. But then it was what happened after that. They beat Buffalo. They beat Kansas City. Completely changes the complexion. It's the same thing. Like it's it's the same thing. Lose to Tennessee. At least it's not the Jets. Okay. Tennessee's a good team. And that was one reason. What's that? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> hey, you can always ask. You know, there's nothing wrong with with asking. It's it's. Uh, I mean, will, will you trade Tyreek Hill? <laughs> if he's injured. <laughs> oh, oh, geez, how quickly we forget. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's. I I feel like it's a similar situation. You know, where it was like the world was falling apart. Everything was wrong. It was like, and and you know, I thought the injury situation actually was worse. Um, at that time. And, and then all of a sudden when they beat Buffalo, you're like, and, and, you know, it was, it wasn't like it was a, I mean, Josh Allen's right there. You're at the goal line. You know, he just goes to his left Simmons stuffs him. It's a wonky way to win, but then you come out and you, you beat the brakes off the chiefs. And all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, momentum is completely shifted inside that franchise and their identity and what they're doing. You can see it all kind of move um, in a, in a pretty, uh, considerable magnitude. I do think the Chiefs have that possibility. I really do. I think if the Chiefs, 
just have a couple big offensive games, you know what's going to happen? People are going to go, oh, boy, wait a minute. Okay, they're, 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 they're still as dangerous as they've, they've ever been. I, I think that's a very positive note to finish on there. I, I like the positivity there. <laughs> I want fans to hang in because I know, I know <laughs> it's, I really honestly loved when, when Mahomes got up and said, hey, it's been flowers and rainbow because he was completely right. I'm like, mm-hmm. he is 100% correct. It's so many things have gone right. So many things have had broken their way right up until that Super Bowl last year, you know, right up until the Super Bowl injuries all of a sudden. And, and it just is this collapse. It started what was a longer process of figuring things out than what we thought. And, you know, the offensive line is part of that. But I also think the offensive, the offensive line can be a part of um, with Patrick Mahomes can be part of what turns this around and, and gets them back in the right position. I like that. that. That's a good way to finish. Charles, thanks for your time, man. Good for two Zoom calls as always. Appreciate oh, that. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having uh, me. Um, on, guys. People can catch you twice a week, Sunday night freestyle and Wednesday night, Thursday. It was about 8 o'clock Thursday morning. Just missed my morning commute. I had to listen on the way home this evening. Yeah, yeah. Wednesday. Usually post, post late Wednesday. So Yeah. yeah so it's a, it's you've a, got to win the game. Yeah. Check it. Definitely check this one out. This was, this is, there's a lot going on in the league right now. So it was a, it was oh, kind of a it? fun one. And Al Toby, our former NFL editor, who's now the managing editor at Yahoo Sports, he actually was was uh, the guest this week. And uh, I thought that was great because, you know, Therese and I always uh, had a good time, you know. Impressions. Uh, impressions on him. And I was I was really sad that I wasn't going to get a, a Therese, um, Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin one? Yeah. After yeah, the yeah. USC. It was, it, was, it was so funny because I, as soon as that kind of happened, I fired off a text to a couple of guys. I'm like, man, God, this would have been so much fun with Therese midweek. And then I had people completely separate from me hitting me up going, oh, man, this Tomlin thing, this would have been really a lot of fun. We would have had a good time with this. And, oh, but, but it's a good week to check out the pod. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of fun, interesting stuff that, that happened. So. It's always a good week to check out the pod. <laughs> I appreciate the plug. And knowing, yeah, the, and knowing the name of the podcast is awesome. Yeah, I even got that right. Twice, twice. Yeah. Um, right. I think that'll do us for tonight. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. Charles, thank you very much for your time. Tomo, thank you for your time, as always. Uh, and I think we'll wrap up there. So uh, from one kingdom from another, we'll say goodbye for now.